0: Weather-related fears and phobias are super common. I mean, who doesn't jump at that first crack of thunder? Or maybe it's the howling wind during a blizzard or hurricane. And of course, there's the dread that comes from the tornado sirens going off. Do you have a fear of clouds? That's called nephophobia. Or what about cold weather? That's called cryophobia. There are even people that are scared of the sun. It's called heliophobia. Well, whatever your weather fear may be, today we are going off the radar to confront it head on. We'll hear from Dr. Kevin Chapman on popular meteorological phobias and get to the root of why Mother Nature provokes panic for so many people. We'll also hear from someone that has dealt with this firsthand.
1: To him, like a tree was swaying a little bit and he started screaming. He wanted inside.
0: What better day to face your fears than Halloween? So stick around if you dare. No, really, you should. It's going to be super helpful. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie and you're listening to Off the Radar, a production of the National Weather Desk. On the show, we dig deep into topics about weather, climate, the ocean, space, and much more. Our goal is to help you better understand the weather and to love it as much as we do. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret?
2: New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.
0: Welcome to Off the Radar. I have a very, very special guest today because this is a dear friend of mine, Cheryl Costello. Welcome to the show. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. So, I've, I brought you on for many reasons today number one I adore you number two it's really relevant to the subject matter because I was inspired by your offspring to do this episode because he's scared of weather yeah my little geo inspired you I'm happy to hear that So Halloween kind of inspired me to do this episode as well to talk about fears and phobias, and a lot of people have fears of different types of weather. Now, some of them are more unusual, less common, like the fear of wind or the fear of the sun. But Gio has a very common weather fear, and it's gotten a little better. But can you tell me about what kind of sparked his fear of thunderstorms and how you discovered it? When he was about two,
1: three years old, I remember this vividly. I probably still have the video. I took a video of it because I realized we need to bring this up to the pediatrician. We were on a walk and there was a tree that was barely swaying and it got to him it to a point where he was crying uncontrollably. It was otherwise a nice day. I want to say it was sunny, not even cloudy. There was um, It was daylight and the tree swaying must have resonated for him you know, memories of the storm that he went through the last time. So that is what was happening with him. When we would be in moments of, you know, thunder and lightning, that for many parents is like, oh, okay, I get it. It is kind of scary. But he would carry the memories of, uh, you know, the last storm and then would really get himself worked out when it was nothing.
0: Can you pinpoint a really bad situation that he was in that kind of set this off, you know, and I was trying to remember
1: what brought it on. And, you know, Jamie and I, my husband, can, we can't pinpoint anything. When we had the tornado come through Annapolis, he was in the forest program at his preschool. And the director at the time was like, you know, really pushing us to seek help beyond school, beyond us, um, because he got to an uncontrollable point.
0: Okay, that's what I was going to ask is how did you know when to seek help and what kind of help did you seek because like you said he was so young, he was only 4 years old. In those sessions, she would try to mimic weather, we put it on her phone,
1: and she would try to take him through scenarios, basically with the mission to desensitize. And I I think he made some progress, but honestly, Age and experience on his own, I think, is what is allowing him to take some of these baby steps because we have seen some improvements. If there was a thunderstorm today, he would be bothered. But um, we had a situation recently and I'm like, this feels like a breakthrough moment for him where there was rain. He was at an Orioles playoff game and there was a rain delay And I was thinking, oh, no, we made this investment in playoff tickets and he's going to want to hightail it out of there. And he stayed. He sat in the seat. Someone threw him a poncho and he was fine. And in the past, just a couple of years ago, he would want out of there, very far out of there and hide himself in the basement. But in that moment, he, you know, was able to like tough it out. I think a lot of it for him has been going through these scenarios and realizing he's still safe.
0: Yeah. I remember being at your house and that thunderstorm came through and all of the kids kind of had the same reaction and the adults had the same reaction too, as far as, you know, when there was a big rumble of thunder, we kind of jumped, but then laughed. And Gio was in the basement and he was just unconsolable. Like you were down there and he was so upset he wouldn't come out of the basement. So that was, um, that was eye opening for me because I don't know that I'd really seen someone with a true phobia or fear and what they went through. And it's, it's very heartbreaking.
1: It's heartbreaking. And as a parent, it is hard to find that line of, you know, being compassionate and being really like frustrated because truthfully, it's not convenient. It would happen so many times when it was so inconvenient. So the time you're referencing was supposed to be socializing. Instead, one of us is in the basement with him. The basement always gave him some level of comfort. It still does. And we had multiple situations like that. I remember being at a bar mitzvah and the party moved outside. Beautiful day. I don't remember seeing any wind, but Gio will pick it up. And to him, like a tree was swaying a little bit and he started screaming. He wanted inside. Really, it still came down to him having this fear. And hopefully in time, uh, you know, he's going to realize too that like the thunder, no one really loves it, right? Like do you love a thunderstorm? I don't know. Maybe some people do. Some
0: people I mean, I still think Geo's headed for a career in meteorology myself, because I've heard that over and over again, you know, that that, that their love of weather started with a fear of weather and transitioned into knowledge is power, although Um, What we'll find out today is that knowledge is not always power because I interviewed a specialist on this topic about phobias and it was very, very enlightening for me. I have phobias, too. Um, His name is Dr. Kevin Chapman, and he is with the Kentucky Center for Anxiety and Related Disorders, and he does specialize in phobias. And as he said, and as I said at the beginning of this, storms are one of the most common, along with flying heights and public speaking. And he addressed how he treats his clients, and he's very straightforward with it and very successful with it. But he was great, Dr. Kevin Chapman. I'm going to interview him and talk to him all about these fears and anxieties so that Geo and all of these future meteorologists don't have to be scared of storms anymore. Cheryl Costello, thank you so much for telling your story about your son. We wish him the best. Absolutely. Hey, Dr. Chapman. Thanks for joining me today. This is exciting and fun to learn and maybe a little self-serving. That's possible as well. Um, I <laughs> want to start by letting everybody know who you are and what you do and what you specialize in. So give me a little background on yourself and what your specialty is.
2: Okay. I'm honored to be here, Emily. Thanks for having me on. So I'm, um, I'm Kevin Chapman. I'm a licensed psychologist And I specialize in anxiety and related disorders like phobias and whatnot. And I'm the founder and director of the Kentucky Center for Anxiety and Related Disorders.
0: Okay, so let's talk about weather and fears because I've heard a lot of meteorologists that I work with or have known over the years say they became meteorologists because they had certain fears of weather. So I'm curious about your experience when it comes to weather fears. Obviously, there's some... Common ones and maybe some less common ones. What have you seen as far as patients with fears of different types of weather?
2: Yeah, Emily, I've seen a lot of different patients with fears of different types of weather. In fact, it's quite common, to be honest with you. And if you think about a phobia, there's a difference between a fear and a phobia. And there's about 50% of the population that has what I would call a subclinical fear of something. And one of the categories of a phobia, ironically, is what we call natural environment type. Well, you can imagine, Emily, what would be included in that. Things like storms, tornadoes, right? Hail damage and things like that. So a lot of people that I actually see clinically, it crosses over to a phobia because it impairs their functioning, right? So they're like, I can't go out if it's gloomy. I can't travel if it's raining. If it's snowing, I am marooned in my home, right? So that's when it becomes a big problem. So we see like a whole gamut of people who struggle with weather-related problems and fears
0: are there any strange ones that are kind of what somebody might think of as just completely irrational like fear of you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, sunshine or clouds
2: <laughs> yeah well the, i've seen people who have absolutely is a short answer and one example would be i've had a couple of people who've had this fear of being engulfed by the sun so for example they yeah so for instance sitting out on a park bench, for example, was extremely distressing and debilitating for these couple of individuals I'm thinking of at the top of my head. They literally thought if I sit here alone on a bench and the sun is shining, that something catastrophic is going to happen to me, weather related incident where I'm going to be engulfed or I'm going to be burned or I'm going to something really bad is going to happen to me. So that's very bizarre. Right. But believe it or not. But that's something that made these people have panic attacks and whatnot. So they, of course, avoided sunny days and being out alone by themselves, you know, under the weather when it's really beautiful out.
0: Is that something you're born with or does that develop from like a traumatic experience or both?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So it's not something you're born with per se. It's kind of an interaction between both genetic predispositions and learning experiences. So the brief version, Emily, is For instance, people who develop a phobia, because you can take two people who have these traumatic experiences and one doesn't develop a phobia of, say, dogs versus someone else who does. Well, what differentiates that person? Well, it's their personality. Not necessarily. It's more so people who develop these fears and phobias. They have a genetic predisposition to respond to emotions in an intense fashion. In other words, I have big feelings. So that's coupled with one of the three pathways, Emily, where phobias develop, which I think you'll appreciate with what you do for sure. And that is number one, a traumatic experience. Believe it or not, many people who have phobias don't develop one from a traumatic experience, believe it or not, but many do as well. So some people who have a phobia, they have a direct experience with the object, but many people don't because there's two other pathways. The second pathway is what we call modeling, And modeling or observational learning is when someone in my family said, Oh, Emily, you know, you better make sure that you like have stuff in your pocket because you got to be weighted down because the wind could blow you away, you know, stuff like that. So it's just, so it's this idea that my mom or my grandma or someone like that models fear for me. So I see them freak out in the midst of a storm and let's take shelter when there's like not a, like a high chance of like a tornado actual threat, right? And then there's what we call informational transmission, right? Hearing about dangers of weather and things like that. For people who have a predisposition, that in and of itself can be powerful enough for some people to develop a phobia from just hearing about, well, breaking news, right? In Kansas, 29 people, you know, that sort of thing in conjunction with heightened anxiety. Hopefully that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, The media, I'm guessing, can play a role in our fears and anxieties, like watching a movie about a tornado hitting. Can that induce it?
2: It can, especially if the proverbial stars align in a really negative way. Like I said, like if somebody has a genetic predisposition coupled with a strong fear response in the context of that information, Emily, that can align the stars to have basically panic like symptoms. And then my brain associates that heightened arousal with that stimulus So therefore, now I'm searching and scanning my environment for signs of threat. Like real quick example, I had a client who told me that their grandma would listen all day on the radio for dangers, right? The things like storms, the sirens, the alarms, the weather alerts, and tell them things like, you know, you can't go out today because if you do, you know, you could get blown away or you could die or you could, you know, things like that. And of course, that's going to be traumatic for a kid.
0: Wow. Okay. so you mentioned Wind. Have you seen people who are scared of just like a windy day?
2: Yes, I have. I've seen people who literally wear these huge coats like Ralphie's brother in the Christmas story <laughs> so so that they don't blow away due to fear that the wind is going to be so strong. Oh. That it's going to like, yeah, like actually kill them. Usually that's in younger people, but yeah. definitely we've seen that before at the center.
0: <laughs> okay. So for somebody who doesn't have any fears and anxieties and is listening and thinking like, just get over it. Can you explain, like, put us in the mindset of somebody who's scared of being blown away. What does that feel like? What does an actual phobia feel like?
2: It's a great question because when you have a phobia, Emily, like what most people don't understand, it's like, you know, ultimately anxiety and fear both play a role. And most people think they're the same and they're not. They're two different emotions. So for example, anxiety is a future oriented emotion. That involves thoughts of uncontrollability and unpredictability of future events. So anxiety sort of primes the pump by saying, what if I encounter wind? What if I encounter a storm? What if I encounter so my body is starting to get hyper alert already because anxiety is about the future fear, on the other hand, or a panic attack, fear and a panic attack are exactly the exact same thing. The difference, though, is that fear is based on actual true danger or present danger A panic attack is what we call a false alarm. So I'm having the fear response when there's no threat. So basically what happens with people with a phobia is that anxiety is preparing them to be afraid in advance. And as soon as they get triggered to encounter the thing they've been telling themselves is dangerous, boom, panic symptoms set in and they literally feel like they're going to die. So basically what happens is that it's human nature to avoid things where I'm feeling uncomfortable and to pursue things that make me feel comfortable. So avoidance behavior starts to happen and take over their lives, Emily. So therefore, I'm avoiding things, kind of a few things at once. But then my bubble gets smaller and smaller and smaller and (laughs) smaller. And now I'm not able to go out at all unless the Weather Channel tells me otherwise.
0: Right. Or the National Weather Desk. Um, (laughs) So let's talk solutions because this is starting to um, cause Me, anxiety, thinking about this. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So how do you treat fears when it comes to weather? Is more knowledge a good thing? Is becoming a meteorologist if you're scared of the weather the solution because you all of a sudden have all the answers?
2: Yeah, all of the above are correct answers, honestly, Emily. Um, And I would say that the short answer is what we call exposure therapy. You know, we have the gold standard treatment, meaning the best available treatment for a phobia, quite frankly is what's called exposure therapy. And it's based on what we call cognitive behavioral therapy. So when you mentioned, do I become a meteorologist to get over this? Well, in essence, becoming a meteorologist if I'm afraid of weather is exposure. Why? Because I'm confronting the very thing I avoid. And that is how you actually get over it. So the quick version is that what treatment includes, if you think about any emotion, Emily, we have thoughts, we have physical sensations in our body, and we have behavior. So any emotion I have has those three components. So to treat it successfully, like if you have a fear of weather, you have to include all three of those ingredients. Number one, my thinking about threat as it pertains to weather has to be addressed. So I adopt what I call evidence-based thoughts about the weather. I treat my thoughts like hypotheses rather than facts, right? So it's like, oh, I'm going to die if I walk outside. Well, that sounds like a fact and that's not in fact true. But if I change that thought to evidence-based thoughts, like, well, what's happened in the past? Well, I did fine. I was just a little uncomfortable. That's part of the solution. The second part of the solution is to confront the physical sensations associated with the fear, meaning I have to actually increase my heart rate on purpose. I have to get comfortable feeling uncomfortable. I don't avoid feeling uncomfortable. I, in fact, make myself uncomfortable in order to teach my brain that it's not threatening to have, say, a fast beating heart or breathing fast and things like that. And then the third component, which is the most important, Emily, which is really getting to the essence of your question, is I have to confront weather-related stimuli. In other words, I have to put myself in situations that I think are dangerous, that are not in fact dangerous. How do you
0: differentiate? If you have a fear, how do you know? Because obviously some stuff like tornadoes are dangerous. So how do you differentiate what's real and what's not?
2: Good question. So most people who develop a phobia, The thing about a phobia, Emily, is that the fear is irrational, right? So putting someone in a situation where they could, in fact, die is obviously not a prudent thing to do. However, (laughs) putting themselves in a situation where they think they will die, but the likelihood is low, is important. Case in point, if someone's afraid that they're going to get struck by lightning, is it possible to get struck by lightning? Yes. Is the probability high that I'll get struck by lightning? I think, you know, that's a rhetorical question. So would I put someone outside and sit them on a bench when it's storming? Absolutely. I do it all the time. Well, what happens? Well, they live to see another day and they realize that even though they're uncomfortable, they in fact get over the fear and the anxiety associated with it. Now, the goal is not to get them to enjoy that. The goal is to get them to do it if they had to.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. I'm applying this. I have I have a fear of turbulence that I'm working through right <laughs> now. And I and I'm like the crazy meteorologist on every flight. It's like checking flight paths and like looking for cumulus clouds and looking oh. at like turbulent air. So I'm that crazy person. But part of me thinks maybe I should just hop on the Hurricane Hunter's plane and just fly straight through a hurricane and deal with
2: it. Well, in essence, yeah, because like like checking those devices is what I call safety behaviors. And safety behaviors actually perpetuate the distress long term, Emily. So I have to call yeah. you out. Because if I look at those things, (laughs) it implies that if I don't look at those things, that this is dangerous. And that's not true.
0: Yeah. I might have some control issues too. Okay. So how, (laughs) what should someone do if they think that their fear of a a certain type of weather is kind of starting to get to that out of control point? What, what do you recommend?
2: Yeah, great question. So the two criteria, right, is if I have personal distress, that bothers me and it's impairing my functioning, meaning I'm not enjoying some facet of my life, then they should seek help. Well, the gold standard for that is always seek help with someone who specializes, right? You don't want to go to just a run-of-the-mill mental health professional. You want to go to people who specialize in this specific problem. So if someone has a phobia, they need to seek out someone who engages in what's called cognitive behavioral therapy, also known as CBT. So they need to check out websites like, well, for example, plug for us. So we have the Kentucky Center for Anxiety-Related Disorders, a.k.a. kycards.com or Chapman.com. and we do virtual appointments. So people come here, fly here for intensive treatment for that. Or we could do it virtually, so that's effective. Or they can seek out the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, adaa.org, and see uh, the Find a Therapist locator tab, and you'll find that there's people who specialize in phobia. So definitely seek someone who specializes in a phobia.
0: Do you ever recommend anxiety medication for phobias or is that just like a band-aid on a on a bigger
2: problem it's a great question emily and i though i'm not opposed to medication in fact we have a psychiatric nurse practitioner on staff what you find is that medication for a phobia doesn't get rid of a phobia the gold standard for a phobia treatment is exposure-based therapy period medication can help buffer some of the distress associated with it but if you really want to reprogram your brain and get over a phobia you definitely need to do exposure therapy and that definitely doesn't require medication.
0: Personal question. How did you get into this field? Did you have any fears yourself?
2: (laughs) (laughs) As you can imagine, Emily, I get that question a lot. The short answer is no. I was an athlete in college. Uh, I ran track and I played football and that's relevant because when I took my first psychology course and I was like, oh, I want to be that. And then when I took my abnormal psychology course, what I found is that one third of people have an anxiety disorder. That's about 40 million Americans per year, yet only a third receive treatment and yet they're very treatable. I was like, oh, interesting. So there's a challenge. It's really creative and innovative treatment. Sign me up. So I just got intrigued with anxiety disorders because phobias are really cool to treat.
0: Well, Dr. Kevin Chapman, this is very enlightening. I I learned a lot myself and I think it's great information for everybody to hear too. I, I mean, everybody's got something, like you said, it's so common.
2: Yep, I agree. No, it's been fun, Emily. I appreciate it.
0: Off the Radar is a production of the National Weather Desk. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes publish every Tuesday. If you know someone who has a fear of a certain type of weather, make sure you share this episode with them. We'd also love you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you think of the show and give me some ideas for future episodes. A special thanks to Dr. Kevin Chapman for being on the show today and to Cheryl Costello for sharing her personal story. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie. Make it a great day.
2: One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car,